I think one of the most important ways that I've seen success as a rep is not going into a conversation like trying to figure out how my product is a fit for them, but better understanding their business, their industry, their challenges, and like knowing what we can do with my service or my product, and then being able to like critically think like where we could fit in. Welcome to another episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast where we interview top sellers and sales leaders to learn the different tips, tricks, and mental strategies that they use to create sustainable peak performance. Let's get rolling. Welcome to another episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring on Nick Saltzman, who's a channel sales representative at HubSpot living in Boston. He's a Boston or Brockton native. And after graduating from UMass Boston, he entered the tech space working in development, account management, partnerships, and ultimately landing in sales. He's a really competitive guy by nature and is always looking for ways to better serve customers, prospects, and be a better sales professional along the way. He's got a really cool story. I've seen him just crush it for the last handful of years at HubSpot. And he also spends a little bit of time outside of work with the puppy, going on some hikes, cooking, watching TV, and is just a a really, really cool guy. I've got a chance to do some yoga classes with him in the past. So I'm really excited to welcome Nick onto the podcast. Thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it. Quite the intro. (laughs) You know, you make it easy. And so where I always love to start with folks, Nick, is we start to try and understand a little bit more about your perspective. You know, how have you been so successful at HubSpot? I think President's Clubs, things of the sort there, seeing you number one across the entire partner specialist team and folks in that realm. How'd you end up getting into sales? Yeah, I don't know. It's not by design. I was the first person in my family to graduate college. I didn't really know sales was a like career track. And I think everyone like typically starts out thinking of sales as like the used car sales guy. So I think I had that connotation. So I think it's just something I fell into. The first job I ever had was when I was in fourth grade. I was delivering papers and I would go to houses if they weren't customers to see if they would sign up for the enterprise, knowing that they left fat holiday tips. So that was probably my first gateway. But I think where I first really started recognizing that I was in sales was when I was putting myself through college at Legal Seafoods working as a server. That is is really interesting. And so as I've talked to some different folks, I hear restaurant theme in there. And funny enough, I, I was reminiscing the other day as I drove by some kids with a little lemonade stand on the side of the road. And it was like, man, I... I remember when I used to do that, I should probably go give these kids like a quarter or whatever they're charging for their lemonade, even though I know I probably don't want the lemonade just to like, again, appreciate the hustle. But, you know, selling papers at what'd you say, fourth grade or four years old? Yeah, fourth grade. Fourth okay, grade. I was about to that say, like, that's four. <laughs> yeah, legals was interesting because like, obviously, they're kind of uh, in between a franchise and a chain, I feel like I think there's like a few like a dozen or so restaurants and they were very programmatic in the way that they train their staff. So it was all about being like an order maker versus an order taker, they would call it. So you're always trying to increase your like price per table. They're very focused on training you on like food and wine knowledge so that you could really like serve your tables well so you could get the biggest check and get the biggest tip because of it. So I think like that's really where I started learning to like if you could attract hiring pay like higher paying regulars and like really understand what they like and position more expensive wines, like you can make more money for yourself. Really, really cool. And are you using any of that in your selling experience and practice today, do you think? 
Yeah, I would say all of it. I mean, at the time, I wouldn't really think it was translatable, but I think one of the most important ways that I've seen success as a rep is not going into a conversation, like trying to figure out how my product is a fit for them, but better understanding their business, their industry, their challenges, and like knowing what we can do with my service or my product, and then being able to like critically think like where we could fit in. So the first like thing I try to convince myself of in a sales conversation is that HubSpot is a good fit for them. And if I can't convince myself, then I'm not going to be able to articulate that to them. So when I'm serving, it's, yeah, tell me about what food do you like? What wines do you like? Like what regions of France provide that like certain flavor of that like Riesling, for example. So you build that trust and you can upsell that table. That's really interesting because there's so many people that say like, if you haven't worked in the service industry, you absolutely should at some point in time in your life. And I... I don't know if I, I never actually served tables. I did delivery driving and, you know, worked at like a concession stand before. So I don't think I've really had the full experience, but I, I think it's so powerful hearing how you take that away and think about, you know, how can that, how can that now apply to you as somebody who's focused on, yes, delivering a great service to a prospect, but also, you know, somebody that carries a quota and somebody that likes to overachieve it and excel at that quota. So that's really, really cool. How has your perception of sales changed now? Maybe thinking about the used car salesman kind of going into it, which is very similar to how I thought about it when I stumbled into sales. How do you think about sales today? I mean, sales is very similar to customer success and like account management. I feel like there's so many different roles that are blended together. Sales is just the one that's focused on like pre-sale. But how is it different than I envisioned it? I don't know. It's hard to say because I never really knew sales was an option, like a career track. So I didn't have any like preconceived notions about what it was. When I was navigating between different roles in tech, starting in like development, going to account management and partnerships, I just started to realize that it was much more interesting, like working with all these different companies rather than managing a book and being more proactive rather than being responsive. So I think, I don't know, it I didn't have the expectation going into it. So I don't know that it's different, but the used car salesman, it just seemed like slimy, like trying to trick you into something. Whereas like people are smart today. Like you're not going to trick anyone. Like they can Google anything, any competitor, any question. So positioning yourself is, hey, like I have worked with a bunch of companies similar to yours. I know how they've seen success with us. Like let's talk about it. And if it's a fit, we can go from there. I guess it's more building trust and coming to a consensus together rather than like convincing them which I thought was sales. Like you convince someone something. Really, really cool. And what's your favorite part about sales today? Closing a deal that's like a big whale that you've been working for a long time that you put a ton of calories into is always gratifying. But I think one of the coolest things is when you go into a conversation and you don't quite think there's a fit and you uncover that there actually is by like not just pitching, but kind of learning more about them, challenges that they're facing that you might not have known otherwise. So just being curious and like learning more, you'll find that there might be an end that you might not have known otherwise. That's great. I I love curiosity. I love the concept of educating and and really, yeah, when you get into a call and think that it might not be a great fit and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, no, we've got opportunity here. I think we can help you is a really, really great feeling. I love, I really like that a lot. And so as you've seen a bunch of folks over your years at HubSpot and sales elsewhere, as you have 
spent that time along your journey. What are some of the qualities that you think stand out and maybe some of the pieces you just mentioned, but with the top performers, folks that you either try and emulate or learn from or think have done really well, what are some of those qualities or characteristics that you see that stand out to really help them succeed or try and use for yourself? Yeah, I think I think you need to be somewhat disciplined and organized, like process oriented. I think even the people that say they aren't, they still are in the general scheme of things that are successful. But I think like two that come to mind, one I think people don't talk about is just being human. Like I've closed huge deals like against competitors like Salesforce by sending the DM a funny meme about like HubSpot and Salesforce like at the right time. And just like having conversations, being human, being empathetic. And I think another thing, when you're learning sales and you're reading the challenger sale and like going through Sandler training and stuff like that, it's very easy to be processed to the point where it's obvious, like you're following a script or a process. I think the more that you can just have a conversation and more naturally uncover like goals, problems, challenges, you just build much more trust and you don't they don't feel like they're being sold to. So I think the people that can be more conversational about sales definitely win. So true. Show up as a human. We're selling to other humans. I think that's a fantastic thought and point. And on the flip side, anything that you think you've seen from folks that have struggled or haven't made it, maybe they're just trying to sell too hard through a specific process, but anything that you think you've seen stand out for folks that haven't been able to make it or where it's not a right fit for them? I feel like where a lot of people struggle is once they're learning the sales process, I think it's important to know like what the sales process is, how to advance the sale, what questions to ask, what positioning statements to make. But it's the the reps that can't really do it. Kind of like I said, in a conversational way where it seems like you're interrogating a prospect rather than having a conversation. So if I'm trying to talk to an agency about, hey, are you a good fit for the partner program? Some important questions to find out are, are they retainer versus project? How big are their retainers? What services go into a retainer? Because in my head, that helps me understand how they could expand their service offering as a partner. But if I'm asking that as just a, a list of questions, it almost seems like an interrogation or an interview. So I think a lot of reps fall into that trap. Totally true. And easy, easy one to fall into, honestly, as you work towards mastery and being a better seller. I think that that comes up in a lot of cases. So let's say you, you've seen someone struggling or maybe you've had a, a tough month, quarter, day, whatever it is. What are things that you do to help yourself bounce back, to remain buoyant, to be ready to show up to that next call, day, week, month, whatever it is, and, and really do your best? Any strategies you have there or ways you think about bouncing back? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's easy in sales to get discouraged after a bad month or a bad quarter especially in a role where you almost kind of feel like you're replaceable. Like, hey, if I don't have my number, like there's someone that will. So I think two things that really helped me, I'm very data-oriented. So being able to like pull a report of me versus my historical self or top performers and understand, all right, what's our deal velocity? What's our ASP? And actually compare those to look for outliers. I think it's important. But another thing that I think is one of the best ways to learn is just listening to your calls back. So I'm a huge proponent of film reviews. So I run film trainings with the team. I listen to my own calls back. I listen to other people's calls. So I think just taking a step back and revisiting a call, even from like a cold, a closed, lost conversation is hugely beneficial. So like avoiding pitfalls or maybe noticing something you didn't in the moment. I 
am really thinking about doing more and more call reviews. I think one of the things that dawned on me as it moved away from being just a salesperson to a sales professional is any professional athlete does video review. They're all looking back at seeing how they performed. And as I'm thinking about doing more call reviews within our team and with other folks, anything that you've seen work really well or be very helpful to do a call review so they don't end up being a wasted meeting? Yeah, I think it's easy to have a wasted hour if the film club is not run correctly. And it took a while. I've been running film clubs for probably the last year, and it's a hard muscle to develop. So the first thing is just prep, like listen to the call ahead of time, note timestamps of interesting points and things that you want to discuss that are open-ended questions that a group can talk about. The one thing that we struggled with for a while is, do we all get in a room and listen to the call together and kind of just go as we listen? Or do we all listen to it ahead of time and come prepared with just the knowledge and the understanding from listening to it? And I kind of go back and forth on it, but I feel like more people get value if the group listens beforehand, and then we just focus on the core areas and maybe go back to certain points. But one really good exercise, as a new rep at HubSpot, having more of like exploratory discussions, like you're not quite in the demo stage yet, there's a lot of different directions you can go. So one exercise we did was we played the beginning of a call where the prospect kind of talked for five minutes and gave you 20 different doors to go down. So then we kind of went around the group and said, okay, what are all the different doors that you could have gone through from here? And we talked about product, services, their agency, hiring. And it was just interesting to get everyone's feedback on like, what did they hear and where did they, where would they go with it? And on those call reviews, do you typically listen to the full 30, 45 minutes hour? Or is it, hey, let's listen to this 15 minute chunk of a call? Sounds like you do a little bit of both maybe. So we try to list the call in a Google Sheet a few days before the meeting. Everyone is expected to listen to the whole call so that we and we don't tell people what specifically we're going to be talking about, but we do expect that they listen to the whole call. Okay, cool. That, that's helpful as I'm thinking about doing this a lot more lately, doing it with partners. And I think a lot of folks know that listening to calls is helpful, but I think a lot of folks really don't prioritize it because most of the time I've seen it become a wasted hour, at least if not some prep time uh, around it. And as sellers, we see a wasted hour as less money in our pocket, less attainment. But I think it's such a critical muscle and skill to build as I've gone back and listened to my calls, other people's. It really helps you pull things out that you didn't see. And then adding a group element. And I love having this different perspective of, oh, here's where I might have taken the call down this path or direction, here's where I might have asked another question here, opposed to starting to talk about yourself, whatever it might be, is a really, really good thing to think about. I think that's really awesome. Wonder from your perspective, like if that would be a cool, if you could ever get a partner development kind of film club around that, where you had different like partners partaking in the same call, it would be an interesting like opt-in experience, experiment. Definitely. I, I think that's where you just see that, that To your point earlier about everyone being human and really the best folks showing up as humans, I think that's where we all have our own approach. We all have our own perspective. We all have our own knowledge base that helps us guide where we might take a conversation. And yet hearing somebody else say, oh, I might have started talking to them about, you know, this specific goal or what happens if they don't get to this goal versus asking a question about, well, how are they trying to solve that today? Starts giving you those light bulbs that you may not take or you might not use, but you at least now say, oh, 
that's either something I might use in the future or I don't like that at all for my style. And I think that's, again, we're just learning, being curious, having that perspective, like you mentioned, is so huge. As we shift a little bit to how have you been able to maintain performance and success for yourself? What are some of the things that you think you've done, maybe even outside of the actual task of the job, as you think about you know, how you mentally approach your sales game or whatever it is? How do you think about that side of the, the mental game for yourself to really stay strong and perform at your best over multiple years? The mental game, it's an interesting question. Pre-COVID, it was very much like a very regular like workout, yoga, eating, work schedule, which has fallen a little bit to the wayside during these days, which I'm hoping to, to get back to. But I think that was a big thing. And another thing, I think a lot of people say this, and it's kind of cringy, but like really, like always just be learning. Like there's something you could learn more about every day, whether that's a little part of the product you're not familiar with, whether that's looking through an article you've seen on LinkedIn or looking at, I don't know, a subreddit for an industry that you don't really know a lot about. So whether that's like, learning more about a prospect that you're trying to prospect into or your product or a case study, turning a case study into a story. Like storytelling was one of the hardest things that I think I learned as a rep and is one of the most beneficial things in sales. So reading a case study and turning that into a story is another thing I try to do like once every few weeks. Really interesting point is storytelling is how we've all learned through humanity. You know, that's one of the oldest forms of how and why we communicate And so we're very receptive to it. And I'm curious if you have any nuggets of wisdom that you could share around how you think about storytelling or what makes a good story, if there's anything that stands out for you as you've spent some time learning about it. Yeah, I think... So it's funny. I'm naturally an introvert. So everyone always goes to the introvert versus extrovert thing. And my family is German and Italian. So my my dad's side, the German side, very stoic, not storytellers, don't talk a lot. So it's always interesting when I hear people who are just naturally able to tell stories. And like as a part of a group, you all have that friend who could tell awesome stories. And that's not me, which is ironic because that's what I do all day in sales. I think familiarizing yourself with the concept of the hero's journey is a big thing, just like the overall structure of how to tell stories. And just telling them in a way that the prospect understands why you're saying that story. So you need to either lead or end with a really strong positioning statement before telling that story. I've been reading Joseph Campbell lately. And so hearing about the hero's journey is perfectly well aligned with how he sees it through mythology, through all the way through Star Wars, you know, really looking at, you know, pop culture and modern culture where we have this similar path of somebody faces a challenge in a certain time and they've got to overcome it and to get to that final point. And I think that's really, really relatable to sales. You know, we're talking to prospects that are battling some form of a monster, whether it's not enough leads or not enough revenue or too many tools or whatever that could be. I think that's a a really interesting way to think about how do we make our prospect the hero of the story as well. So they can really be that person that's the knight in shining armor or whatever, (laughs) somewhat cringy example you want to use there. But that's really where, you know, I think if they can see themselves in that situation, overcoming it, they're going to be much more likely to have that emotional connection to buying. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's interesting because 
At HubSpot, I'm selling a program attached to a software. I'm not necessarily selling a software or a product or something tangible. So when you're telling a story, you're kind of helping them understand how they could get there, how others have gotten there, like what they've done, because it's not something you can pick up or hold or build an email within. Especially if you're selling services or something that's less tangible, I think storytelling is huge. Really interesting. I hadn't thought about that as much, but it makes total sense. And so then as you think about why people buy, what do you think drives a lot of that reasoning for why people actually make a decision to purchase, especially in that side of it where it is something that's not a tangible product? What do you think gets them over that line? Yeah, I think there's two, there's two reasons people buy. One is opportunity. Like the opportunity is so big that I would be, it would be a poor decision to not do this. Or there's a business problem that they know they can't solve on their own or don't have the bandwidth to. So if we're talking about a partnership, like let's say your agency is doing fine, like you don't need HubSpot, but you have really good fits that could use our software. Why not become a partner? The opportunity is there to upsell or cross sell a product that would help you do better work and also add value to them. That's a no-brainer. So it's quantifying what that opportunity is in comparison to the investment, both in time and dollars. The business problem is a more interesting one because that's more around implications. So, hey, you're struggling with projects versus retainer revenue, which is keeping you from growing your business because you have such a lumpy cash flow. Like it probably stinks to hire and fire contractors with every project. Like how are you going to solve that? Like, let's talk about how we solve that in the partner program. If this is something that you see as a need to solve and you see your agency as something that's not a lifestyle business and rather a business you're trying to grow, like you definitely should use our help. Like let us be your, what do they call it in the hero's journey where you're like the assistance or the divine intervention or whatever. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I don't remember the term. I'll have to look it up, though. We'll, we'll get it in the show notes for sure. A couple other thoughts on a little bit more rapid-fire questions. What does success mean to you? Success means to me, I mean, doing well at a job that affords me a work-life balance where I can still see my friends, see my family, hang out with my girlfriend. I think HubSpot does a good job of that. But it's also a role where you can be on 24-7. A lot of people think the more you're on, the more you make, the more you perform. I think it's true to an extent. And I think technology has enabled it to be much easier. I don't have a problem with taking a call with somebody that's going to buy HubSpot at 8 o'clock at night over my cell phone for 30 minutes. But I think success is being able to consistently overperform and not have your life reliant around the job. Hmm. That's cool. Not not necessarily needing to be defined by the job, but still having other aspects of your life that, that fill you up. But making sure that for that job, you're, you're going above and beyond kind of where the bar is set. Yeah. Like so the other question I have behind that one, and I've got a guess as to what you'll answer here. This was my favorite interview question that I ever had been asked is, do you love winning or hate losing more? I say I love winning. I don't know. I wonder if that's what you would have guessed, but I think I skew on the positive. I mean, losing obviously stinks, but I think I love winning more. I don't know, because I'm very competitive too, so I hate losing, but I would have to go with love winning because I'd rather like everybody win, including me, than like, I don't know, 
Yeah, I I was going to guess that's what you were going to say. It's a hard one. And I, I ask this to all sorts of people, and I don't think I have a good answer to it. But as you kind of said earlier, you love, you know, finding the opportunity in a deal, closing a big customer. You know, I think those are those things that probably stand out a little more for you than the losses because sales, you're going to lose a lot. And if you can't handle getting told no, it may be tough, but at the same time, you know, those no's may fuel you to go further. And so I love that answer of, you know, go for the winning. You know, how do we all win? How do we drive success together? Especially if you are serving clients and prospects and customers in the way that you're talking about where, you know, we're really helping build a solution to help them get somewhere better. So they're, you know, they're winning right along with you, opposed to just feeling like, oh, yeah, I just sold them that, you know, lemon of a used car that's going to break down in a while or whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's funny, like there's always this point where new reps get at HubSpot and they kind of like hit a wall. And my advice every time is just go into your conversations, not trying to sell HubSpot, just trying to like figure out if you can help them rather than how you can help them. And I think like, to your point, you're going to lose. And that's not because you're bad. It's because, hey, the product isn't a fit for them or the program isn't a fit for them, at least not right now. So the worst thing is when a prospect, and I'm sure you've dealt with this, you get on the phone and they're like, okay, pitch me. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to pitch you. Like, I've, There's a ton of stuff I can pitch you. Like, I don't even know anything about you. What do you want me to pitch? So I try to start my conversations like, hey, I'm Nick. I work on a partner specialist team with agencies evaluating HubSpot for themselves or the clients. Like, Tell me a little bit more. Like, How can I help out? Like, My job is to understand your business so I can know if we can help. I love that. I, I just have a guy right now who... I got on the call. I started asking a handful of questions and he, why are you asking this? Why does this matter? Why should you need to know this? <laughs> and he's just beating me up so bad over trying to understand what he's trying to accomplish in his business. And that's where for me, if I can't get through that, I'll usually go with, well, this is a red flag and you're probably not going to be a fit if you're not looking to partner and have an open dialogue and conversation here. But sometimes like they beat me up enough and I'm like, fine, here's the pitch. And then they're like, oh yeah, I can see where it'd be helpful to, to tell you more about myself. So <laughs> I, I like that a lot. As you've had a chance to work with and see and support a lot of different folks in leadership roles, what are some of the most important qualities in the best leaders that you've had a chance to see or work with? I think the two that I would say mainly stand out are a focus on skill development outside of just activities and numbers. So I think like my manager right now, Greg Fung, is an incredible manager. He focuses so much more on the sales process, skill development, like reading books together and discussing them as a team, as opposed to, yeah, if you make 500 dials, you'll get at least five calls out of them. I think there's a balance of the two, but I think like the leaders that really focus on skill development are the ones that have teams that win. And the other would just be leaders that are that you can tell are more invested in their team beyond their performance. Care about knowing their friends and their family and their girlfriends, their motives outside of like trying to learn their teams like level two and three goals so they can use that when they're trying to get them to hit their quota. I think if you're if you've been in sales for a while, you can tell when people want to have that information for manipulation versus like truly caring about it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think you I've seen a bunch of leaders where it's like, I know you're just saying this or doing this for your own personal interest versus somebody that's actually invested in who you are to your point on the sales conversation as a human. 
You know, how can you actually show up and see me as another human on your team versus just a cog in the wheel as another rep that's there to try and help you get to your number or, you know, may make it harder for you to get to your number if it's a challenging rep. When you know your manager is invested in you, like you want to be more invested in them. Just like if you have a partner that knows you're invested in them. So let's say you're you're at 150% of quota. You don't need to bring in that next deal, but you know your team's close. Like if you like your manager, your team, like you want to close that next deal, you don't want to sandbag that for your next month. So I think it just applies to any relationship you have for the long term. Yeah, I think sales has been such an interesting thing for me as I initially got into it thinking about it as this kind of slimy, you know, gig that wouldn't be a career, but then really seeing how the skills that I developed to be a better seller also make me a better human, make me a better relationship builder, make me a better listener and all these things that translate across my entire life and not just how do I get to my quota or above it this month. Is there anybody you admire, look up to, or really follow in sales or in kind of psychology as you think about all these other areas that you're learning, storytelling, anybody that you really look up to or love to learn from in the space as a whole? That's a good question. Honestly, not really. I feel like everyone always has their go-tos, like their influencers and their like social sellers. I mean, I do read a lot of books. Like I've read Traction, The Sales Acceleration Formula, Never Split the Difference, like all these books. But I wouldn't say there's a single like personality that I've linked up with. There are people whose content I like and think is good. But I always think it's interesting when you start to like really latch on to a personality or a brand like that. So I don't know. I just haven't, I guess. Which I think totally aligns with your point earlier around, you know, how can you always be learning, but also how can you kind of, you know, make it your own, like pull in that information from all these different sources on a call recording, you know, team reviews, film reviews, things like that, give you perspective from all sorts of different people and not necessarily saying, I have to be just like the exact process listed in sales acceleration formula and got to be just like Mark Roberts, or I've got to be just like somebody else where it's really about, you know, how do you create your own style that really aligns and resonates with you again as a unique human? So I think that I really like that, actually, as there are just so many people you could follow. But then all of a sudden, you start giving up some of your own kind of secret sauce and your own unique ability, which makes sense to me. Last question for you. As you think about getting to overperformance, I've seen you overperform many years in a row. How do you set yourself up for that? Are you a goal-setting person? Are you just showing up to do your best every day? How, how do you think about really overachieving and excelling? So my goal I set for myself is just to be the number one person in the segment. Like I always want to be like the number one person in whatever team I'm on. And that doesn't mean I don't want other people to be successful. Like I would love to finish like other people to finish a dollar behind me. But I definitely want to be the best. That's always my goal. It's never like a number I don't feel like. And how do I set myself up to get there? I mean, it's really like what you said, just showing up every day to try to do your best. So always learning. Like if I do have a block of time, like go dig around the product, like go try to build something. And I think a big thing that helps, I think sales is kind of like a snowball to an extent. The longer you're in a role, like the more success you start to see as you build relationships. So just checking in on people that you've sold to, asking how things are going. People will move to different companies 
So just like maintaining your network and those relationships, I think is really important. So I wouldn't consider myself a big like social seller, but I do post once in a while. But every time I have a sales conversation, I try to make sure I add that person on LinkedIn. Just so I'm like one level connected, at least uh, outside of like email. I think that's great. I think the bigger network you have, the more likely you are to find success, build more connections, be able to help more people down the road and also learn from those other folks again, as you're trying to see how can you constantly be curious, growing, learning and excelling. So this is really, really fantastic. I want to thank you again, Nick Saltzman, for for joining us on uh, the Peak Performance Selling Podcast. I think there were a lot of really nice nuggets of wisdom, ways to think about telling stories, to do film review, to level up with yourself, with your team. How do you think about, you know, being your best to perform and bringing those skills from being, you know, a, a server initially, selling papers in fourth grade, all the way through to today as you continue to grow and, and move into more and more success, more and more roles in of HubSpot and beyond. So Nick Salzman, thank you very, very much. And uh, until next time, let's go crush it. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Great interviewer, by the way. Appreciate it. Love it.